Okay, what the f is going on? Who are you people? Why are you covered in blood? Why do you have my gun? Why does my neck hurt? Who tased me? Chris, I knew you killed that kid. I knew you were crazy like that. I need answers and I need them now. Shut the f up, sit down and listen. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait. You haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 198. And the movie we watched this week, closing out our December of alternative Christmas movies, was Sleigh Bells from 2018. And joining me to talk about it because she'd seen it and I never had, it's September McCready. September, how are you doing? I'm doing good today. How are you? I am doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so Christmas has come and gone. We're actually post-Christmas as we record this, but it's still Christmas movie season, so this counts. <laughs> um, and this month, I've been wanting to do kind of different Christmas movies. So not your traditional, uh, you know, um, kind of Night Before Christmas or Hallmark Christmas or something, but but stuff that isn't isn't your normal Christmas movie. So uh, we've talked about Bad Santa. Last week I talked about Gremlins, which is a super fun movie set around Christmas. And when I was talking with you, you mentioned Sleigh Bells. And I said, what's Sleigh Bells? And <laughs> and I, I think your response was like, it's awesome. You need to watch it. And so we did. Um, what's your, first off, what's your history with Sleigh Bells? When did you first see it? Um. It must have been not long because uh, it came out in 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I'm thinking about two years ago I found it. Okay. Um, not sure how. Must have popped up, uh, you know, somewhere in the streaming. <laughs> and it was like, oh my. Well, we have to watch that because it's going to be in our feed. We, we like B movies and, you know, bad stuff and, you know, <laughs> sure, gory absolutely. stuff. It, it's very you know, tongue-in-cheek. And, and there's always that line you're trying to walk, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, is it how bad is it on purpose? How bad is it just bad? And then, like, there's magic that happens. We used to have beer and bed movie night and watch MST3K oh, sure. uh, every week at my house for the longest time. Uh, so this popped up, and me and my husband just drank and laughed through the whole thing i mean i couldn't pass up barry boswick either that was definitely the clincher for me that was that was what roped me in so uh the the synopsis of it is it's christmas eve and three cosplaying women come across a malevolent christmas demon krampus the girls must team up with santa claus himself to battle the creature and save the world kind of doesn't really tell you what the movie is but it sort of also does <laughs> at the exact same time it's weird that way um yeah, I, loosely termed, right? Cosplayers? Eh. But they can't say YouTubers because right. they can't brand it that way in the movie. you know. And so I had not heard of it before. Um, it's streaming on several of the, the free ad-supported services, Tubi TV, Freevee, and a couple of, couple of other ones like that, Roku, I think. Um, 2018, it's a, it's a very low-budget movie. Um, in fact, I was reading, and apparently... The director, uh, Spooky Dan Walker, <laughs> which cracked me up, uh, but he uh, he had sent the script to Barry Bostwick's agent, uh, and his agent was like, yeah, no, you, you can't pay enough. Like, he can make more doing autographs at a convention for a day. Um, but then, supposedly, according to the trivia... Um, Barry Bostwick actually called Dan Walker back a couple weeks later. He's like, I read the script. I love it. Let's do it. So, and, and honestly, like that was what got my attention. When you told me about sleigh bells, I looked it up and it's like Barry Bostwick, Santa Claus. Well, I'm in like, you got me already. Um, and it does toe that line, right? So it is an alternative Christmas movie. It's set on Christmas Eve, but there's no snow. It's in California. Um, or at least where I'm supposed, I, I'm, Assuming it's California. They never really say where. Not really, no. Um, but it, I'm, I'm sure that's where it is. And uh, 
there's these uh, three girls. Two of them have their own. It's a uh, streaming. So they don't. They never mention YouTube by name, but the video uh, clips always look like they're you know the YouTube interface. Um, and they're adventure girls, and that's uh, that is two of our mains. Um, Dalila, no Dahlia, sorry Dahlia and Sadie, and they have their uh, adventure girls, and they go urban exploring, basically trespassing. They just go to abandoned places, wander about, and uh, and then take stuff. And See, bring... and I kind of, I actually identify with that. Like, being a kid of the 80s and stuff, like, and mm-hmm. we would go to, I, I lived near Niagara Falls. We would go to, like, abandoned freaking missile silos and just, what's here in adventure, you know, and, and come, or abandoning, there was a canning factory that burned down, you know, decades before, and grab little mementos, right? Like some kind of little gauge or, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it, we, we definitely had that around here. They had um, the uh, Traverse City State Hospital is what it was. And it had been an asylum uh, well back and then closed down and it was abandoned for years. They've since started renovating all the property, redoing mm-hmm. a bunch of the buildings, putting in condos and stores and offices and all that kind of stuff but for the longest time when i was a kid all of it was abandoned they were just these huge old buildings and tunnels in between them and that was you'd go and check all yeah, that yeah yeah buffalo um, has a famous psych center that was like that forever but now that now it's a fancy hotel <laughs> right Yo, we yeah. didn't have youtube back then to show everybody but it's a, it's a premise for like now this would happen there would be a channel of of people of girls doing this although the ages of these actresses is really kind of like it's a little all over the map um i was kind of surprised by that uh susan slaughter plays dahlia and um she had been on ghost hunters international i think prior to this movie um and then okay yeah and it was making me crazy like she looked familiar when i googled her name all i could find was like some famous flautist um but then i found her on imdb and it was like She's a self-identified witch. And I was like, I'm not finding everything I need. It really sounds like a porn name. I, I don't It does a little bit. Um, and then uh, Hannah Minx, or Hannah Wagner, played Sadie. Uh, she was a YouTuber. And actually, her story is I, I could not find anything on her. She was in uh, The Devil's Carnival in 2012. She had a uh, small part in that. She was in this movie. She had a YouTube channel for a few years and then just sort of disappeared. Um, and mm-hmm. when I went to look for her on YouTube or, or anywhere just to like see what other work she had done or what kind of stuff she did on YouTube, it was all either reposts of her old videos or videos saying uh, talking about her disappearance from YouTube and the mystery behind it that nobody's seen her since. She apparently didn't even go to the premiere of this movie. Um, like nobody had seen her. Uh, for over a year or something, I don't. I mean, come on, strange. sweetie, you can come out. It it wasn't that bad. I <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and then we had Christina Kleb, Kleb or Klebe. I'm not sure how how I would pronounce that, but she was Alexi. Um, interesting thing is, both the characters of Dahlia and Sadie feel like they're in sort of their mid twenties. Is kind of what I would guess, mid to late twenties. Um, and Alexi appears kind of feels like she'd maybe be the same age. Uh, no, the actress playing her was like 40 when they made this. Um, and then you've got Barry Bostwick, of course, uh, as Santa. Um, I actually think that the three leads were great. The, the yeah. three of them had real good chemistry together. I thought that they were, I wouldn't call it uh, Oscar-winning performances for their acting, but it's certainly yeah, by some proxy. Some of the lines are a little wooden. A little bit. But for the most part, they're having a good time. They are. And, and it helps that uh, Sadie, for instance, Hannah, Hannah Wagner or Hannah Minx, is playing a character who is very similar to the character she did on YouTube. So she is playing that same type of personality. So it's not a huge stretch for her. So she can just kind of be that same personality. And, but they had great chemistry together, and their acting by proxy to everyone else in the movie outside of Barry Bostwick is phenomenal because if I have one complaint, it's that the rest of the acting in this was... Okay, Richard Mall aside, which was a nice little surprise. 
some of the some of the side character actors you could tell had never acted before or if they had it hadn't been in front of a camera um the like the lady doing the 911 calls <laughs> cracked me up yeah <laughs> she like, reminded me of like um some old sitcom stuff though like <laughs> Flo could have been there you know yeah a little bit a little bit um the the sheriff for instance the sheriff just made me chuckle every time he was on screen because he, it was like he couldn't remember what he was supposed to say and all he said was the same thing every time like he just kept saying i don't know what's going on but he couldn't remember to say that so he just like looked flustered but it was so weird that the, whole cop shop was very dukes of hazard <laughs> it was and it's weird this movie's an hour and 17 minutes long um which by the way 8 of those minutes are credits uh, which I thought was crazy. I was like, eight minutes of credits. Is this is this Stargate? What's going on? Um, well, I mean, I think almost all the budget, other than Barry Bostwick, who I, he must not. There must have been not any cons going on because it's also really not his best performance. Um, but the Krampus, the Krampus is good oh uh, yeah that's a lot of good practical effects and like all the budget went there mm -hmm. and dan walker has a, a background in special effects and visual effects that was kind of his thing he's only directed a couple couple of things and they were all you know sort of direct to video and then this but he's visual effects all through um working on all sorts of stuff star trek beyond um uh he worked on um like get smart uh, you know, doing uh, digital stuff. So that's, that's his background. And it works because the visuals of Krampus are great. Now, unfortunately, uh, I'll, I'll save that for a little bit. Okay. I, have some, I have some complaints about the movie, but they're like, they're me putting on my filmmaker hat complaints. Okay. As so just an experience, the, I liked it. In the not YouTube <laughs> bits mm -hmm. where they show the channel, they kind of cut away yep. to show what, their show is like um which you know as far as setup they they i think they actually did a good job for such a fast time frame to like if you didn't know what streaming was the way that we do mm -hmm. you know you were like oh okay that's what they mean that's what they're doing yeah um there was a reason i asked you if you had seen um repo the oh, genetic okay. opera right in one of the little shots of them like goofing around showing a snippet of their channel there's an ad for zydrate <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't catch it the first time too but on the rewatch recently my husband was like oh my god look and we were like and we started singing the stupid like in a little glass file song yeah. <laughs> um but that was a nifty little nod for i mean the audience for this is definitely we love bad movies oh for uh, sure <laughs> and and in fact, um, Dan uh, or uh, Hannah Wagner was in a movie by the same people that made Repo. That's uh, the Devil's okay. the Devil's Carnival is the same. Um, I can't remember his name now. It started with a Z, I think, or something. Whatever his name is, he's the one that made um, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, and then he did the Devil's Carnival later. Um, and he's done a couple of those now. She was in that first one. So there's a little connection there as well. Um, so there's and, a little Easter egg for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you mentioned Barry, it's not Barry Boswick's best performance. And you're right. It's not his best performance. However, he's super fun in it. You can tell he's having fun being this, like, weirdly not quite all there Santa Claus. There is momentum to the performance, I will say. <laughs> Yes. When when we meet him, he's like kind of dressed like a biker, but not. And he, like a little bit. And then he, he changes to the Santa Claus outfit, which now that I've finished the movie, the, the, the way he's dressed at the start makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he he's having fun. Uh, He's just a weird version of Santa Claus. He's not quite all there. I think... If I had complaints about the movie, it's not the cast, um, because I think that your four leads are, are good, uh, and they work well together. Um, Diane Salinger as Cherry is really hamming it up 
Uh, and I think my only complaint with that character is we meet her at the beginning and then she doesn't show up again until right at the end to, to have that reveal. This movie was an hour and 17 minutes long and it felt like it needed to be, there needed to be more story development, but also I kind of like don't want it to be any longer than that. Like the pacing, (laughs) I feel like if it was too much longer, it would be, it would be too much. And yet there were parts of it where I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. How did, how did Santa and Krampus get back outside and start fighting? Santa was in the house like the last scene and then he just appears. So it's like there was a scene missing where he he goes after Krampus and then they fight out under the moonlight. Um, it was stuff like that where it felt like it it just felt like a production where they they were sort of well we got to move things along uh, and so they would cut certain things out when you could have cut like everything out with the police station and it wouldn't have, we wouldn't have missed it at all. Um, everything with the sheriff just about Uh, i i don't know that i agree with that because if we didn't have them trying to call 911 and and that's something you miss in these movies i'm usually like oh my god why would you not just call the police right (laughs) and if their car hadn't got towed they could have gotten away and if they didn't call 911 and get ignored you'd be like (laughs) why didn't this cop they talked to earlier follow them uh because they're out looking for trouble right now Uh, (laughs) yeah the the it kind of just the, the worst nine one one operator exposition. ever. Oh yeah, she was what terrible. A... She was awful. Like I hate I. And it wasn't as funny as as it was supposed to be. No, at the end she there was a, like her realizing that all these people are being killed, and she's like, oh whoops, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that honestly is just comes down to you could tell she wasn't really an actor. And so, like the the delivery didn't didn't match what they were going for in terms of like the comedy there. Um, but again, I mean, look, it, you don't come to a movie like this for like high art either. This is a B movie. This is a fun movie, and I think that when it worked, when it was being fun, I enjoyed it. I did quite a bit. Um, my complaints with it are more like I didn't love. I get the handheld stuff when they're shooting when it, when it's everything that Sadie is shooting with her little handheld camera, right? And the whether they would be from her POV or the clips that they would show of their adventure girls, that all made sense. But I think that what you do for that is then you have to you have to juxtapose that with really locked off, really really cinematic look camera work outside of it, and this didn't have that the cinematography on it, the, both the lighting and then the camera work left a little, uh, they felt amateurish. They felt like somebody's first movie, uh, in a way. And mm-hmm. I get that, but like, I've seen movies of this type that just get that part of it a little bit better. So some, cause there was, there were shots where I'm like, boy, I wouldn't have done this handheld because it just looks weird. And like the camera's moving strangely for some, for some reason, or <laughs> yeah. the... I'm not sure if the budget is that low or that was a choice. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yes, that is it. That is exactly it. It's like, it's one thing when you can tell that there's no budget and they made the movie for, you know, a couple cases of beer and a $20 bill and they couldn't afford <laughs> to have anything. But this had like, this towed that line. They had enough money to to shoot on video and have it look fairly decent, but not enough money to like... Or was it the choice to do it handheld? Was it the choice to to shoot like the to light things the way that they did sometimes? So there's a few scenes in it where I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. I can't see anything. It's too dark. <laughs> it's outside. It's dark, but 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 you know, it give kind me something. of felt like it would be mm-hmm. in a place like an abandoned. Which I'm really I'm curious about the set. If if you did get any information about like that. Obviously, it was a little, but the location, like if you're in a place like that, and and they were not even bothering with flashlights and stuff, like they really should have been better equipped. I mean, if they're gonna film at at night, although I don't know if they intended to stay at night either. Yeah, but anyway, a place like that that's all broken down and decrepit, it is dark and creepy, and I think if we're all well lit to see what was going on better, it would have taken me out of. Oh, for sure being in that space so yeah yeah that i get like i I guess it's light it for film and then 
give us a reason where they have flashlights. But I, but maybe all their flashlights were in their van that got towed um, really quickly, yeah, too. Maybe. Like, they weren't there for very long, and that <laughs> van just got towed. And we never even – nobody called it in. That's the funny part. Did <laughs> I know. Yeah, 911 wouldn't come. They wouldn't send anybody, but somehow they got towed. Yeah. Did Santa call him in and get him towed? No. It doesn't seem like he would have done – like, that would confuse me. But that's, you know, again, like – True, Santa could have called because he was trying to get rid of them. Yeah, but that would not be the way to get rid of them. <laughs> well, no, because he tells them to get in their van and drive away, and then they turn around and somebody's driving away with their van. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, it was yeah. But the funny thing is, so so alternative Christmas movies like this, you know, so it's it's got a Christmas theme around it, but it's not your traditional kind of holiday film. I'm fine with, and they they're not anything new. Um, they go as far back as stuff like Black Christmas or Christmas Evil uh, from the late 70s, early 80s. And there's been a bunch of them in recent years, I have noticed. There's been kind of an explosion of them in the last, I would say, five to ten years. Um, oh, I just went and saw Violent Night in the theater. Yeah, there's and they, they get those action ones. Violent Night, uh, a year or two ago, it was Fat Man with uh, Mel Gibson. Did you see that? Oh, I did not. That one was interesting. He plays a Santa Claus, but he's your grumpy, cranky old Santa Claus, and some kid gets upset and puts a hit out on Santa. So it's it's actually a it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like I went into it with very low expectations, and I I quite enjoyed it. I've heard good things about Violent Night, and that's got oh, David yeah. Harbor. So I'm all about <laughs> David Harbor. Oh yeah, but not all have of some them, of the same lighting issues, but <laughs> but not all of them are are winners. Like I just saw uh, one from this year called Christmas Bloody Christmas, that um, as cheap as Sleigh Bells looks at times, and as much as I've I've complained a little bit about you know silly things like uh, their car getting towed too early or the lighting or whatever, I would watch Sleigh Bells again before I watch Christmas Bloody Christmas myself. Um, because that movie fell victim to, it had no story. Like it literally was, it, it felt like somebody had seen the Futurama episode with robot Santa mm-hmm. killing people. And we're like, that'd make a cool movie. Let's just do that. But then they put no more effort into it other than making a robot Santa that killed people like this. This yeah, had, I'm looking at the trailer video and even the cover. And I'm like, I feel like I could have predicted. I did not watch that. And probably cause it just didn't even grab me. It, it there's nothing there. That's my that's my complaint about that movie. Yeah. Is it's like it's there's literally no story. It's just a couple of people and then a robot Santa goes crazy and kills people in a small town. And and that's it. Mm. This what I liked about Sleigh Bells was they wanted to tell a little story. It sometimes doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but they have a story going on. These three <laughs> girls, they're off to have their adventure for Christmas because that's what they do. They're adventure girls. And they find they're going to go check out Santa Land. And meanwhile, you have the actual Santa Claus who has stopped being, you know, giving gifts because of commercialism and all the toys being made in factories. And so he opened his Santa Land, which went under, and he's been spending the rest of his life just keeping Krampus at bay. And yeah, that's the thing. It's not like none of this is super new, but it is very character driven. Mm hmm. In such yes. a good way. Like, you care about those characters, and then Santa's got his thing, and they, they introduce this, like, yin and yang with Krampus so that he is tied to Krampus and has to keep the balance in the universe and, the, the you know, the crazy ex-wife. So, yeah, lots of fun in the story. And that was something... So the yin and yang of Santa and Krampus was something I feel like they wanted to explore more, and they didn't. And then it was just all of a sudden one of the, the character of Alexi figured it out. Because I was like, as soon as he's like, we can't kill him because, and then he kind of trails off. And he's like, but we can't kill him. I'm like, oh, okay. So he and Krampus and Santa are like tied together some in some way and killing yeah, Krampus. Yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, the foreshadowing was fairly obvious, but then the girls don't really figure out until they see an injury reflect. Yeah, and it just- Like they and- knock him out. And don't figure it out. Exactly. And they they seem like they're fairly smart. So they didn't notice that. And it and then finally at the end, there's like there's very little build up to it when she turns to Santa with the axe and he's just like, Yeah, okay, go ahead and do it. 
was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm missing, again, I'm missing parts of my story here. Like, we went from A oh, to, to Q. Self-sacrificing. Yeah. And, but it's like, we, we didn't build to that. We just sort of jumped to it. Um, which is fine. You know, at the end of the day, I still had a fun time with the movie because it's silly <laughs> and, and it's Barry Bostwick doing what he does. And I'm fine with that. Like I would, again, I would much rather watch a movie like this that has an earnestness to it, but also it's like trying to tell a story and they just don't quite have the facilities for it. Christmas, bloody Christmas. I didn't care at all about a single character in that movie and they're literally all there just to be cannon fodder for the robot Santa. There isn't a single, like there isn't a single plot or story element to give us any reason for any of them to be there other than they're just lining up for the slaughter. Whereas this, there's at least something going on. Um, you've got kind of the cops and they're trying to figure it out. And sure it's, it, it's muddled and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And like Richard Maul might have just been wandering by one day and they decided to have him in the movie. I don't know. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, like how'd they get him? <laughs> yeah. He's great for the 30 seconds he's on screen. And I just, you know, again, it's something where you want more of it, but like this had, there's something, there's a heart to this movie in a way. Like it's weird to say that because it doesn't sound like a movie that would have that kind of heart. But there is a heart into this movie and like a, a true desire to make something fun and just silly entertaining. And they know they're making a B movie. They know exactly what they're trying to make and they're having fun with that. And I appreciate that. And and there is a story being told as well, because at the end of the day, that's what I want is a story. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it's just it's a silly movie. That's a ton of fun. But it it makes me think about other like of these, you know, different Christmas movies, the Black Christmas or Violent Night. And like, do you think, do you think that we're seeing more of these in recent years because of just the fact that there are, it's easier for people to make movies now? Like the, the D the democratization of like how cheap it is to get a camera and get, actual halfway decent lighting and put something out there where you can sort of self-produce. It's kind of like self-publishing your books where we're seeing more and more people be able to be authors because oh, they, can, I think they, they can do that. I think uh, this has been going on for longer than we tend to realize. Uh, Blair Witch was mm-hmm. a turning point in, in horror for and, and movie making in general for a lot of reasons. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of single camera things that really, really hit where people was like, oh, I can do that. Um, I think Kevin Smith gets a little credit with some of his stuff where people realize, like, I can just go make a movie. Um, but and recently, even... more and more, it's like the equipment is cheaper. You Phone cameras are good enough mm-hmm. that you can kind of make a movie and editing software is free and yeah why not throw it out there has definitely become part of our culture i mean and the way it fits in with this is it's the whole youtube thing like does everyone think they're gonna get famous no but it makes the art accessible like the same way that synthesizers made music accessible to people who couldn't really play an instrument yeah i mean you even go uh, kevin smith is a great example because he had to he had to max out a bunch of credit cards and take, you know, loans from family members and like sell off his comic collection to make one movie. And he basically bet everything on making clerks. And he got incredibly lucky that it caught on. It was good enough that it enough people saw it and it grew and he he made a whole career out of it, which is one of the things that I love listening to him talk about. He's like, "I just got lucky." And he knows it. But he's yeah. <laughs> and he's ridden that forever. But it's that was that was kind of the start of it. Blair Witch is a great one because Blair Witch is not the first found footage movie by far, but it was such a hit that it showed that you can do something like that and have it be big. And then you know, sort of, and the talent was in the editing to make it believable as found mm-hmm. footage. Yes, and then Instead as you just see, looking like a piece of a documentary or something, right. And then you see things like YouTube come along and it's really come down to accessibility of equipment because 
it used to be that you had to spend well upwards of a thousand dollars for a single camera to be at all decent. Now you can get three or four cameras probably for that price that look fine. You can get lighting. Lighting is cheaper and it's easier to manage and run with all with LEDs, especially in light panels yeah, and all of that. Yeah. You don't have to have these big, heavy, expensive hot tungsten lights that you would have to lug you just everywhere. change the color without changing a cell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of that. Uh, it's so much easier to diffuse them and and set up, you know, you can have huge panels of LEDs for relatively inexpensive, especially compared to, to old lights, or you can have tiny little ones. There's just the, and, and, and the, the digital media and storage and moving it around mm -hmm. because you don't have to have your whole staff in a location because you have physical film. Right. Or developing that film, getting that film yeah. processed and, and the expense that's there, you can do multiple takes. You can like storage is a lot cheaper. And then on top of editing is becoming uh, easier and easier as more people have access to the tools to do it and digital editing. This was the, I thought the editing overall of Sleigh Bells, not terrible. I don't think the camera work was spectacular, and that's where I felt a little bit of that kind of lower budget. Um, but the editing itself I thought was good. You mentioned the Krampus costume, which looked great. And the sound mix, yeah. especially the, the sound around Krampus, uh, I thought was really good. They, they did just enough kind of gore and killing to show a little bit of where they put some money for that without kind of going overboard. And either stretching it too far or, you know, showing that, well, we didn't have enough money to make a bunch of kills. So we put it into the few that we showed on screen. The rest of the stuff we did off screen. Um, and that's another to show that the violence was spread through the town so much where you couldn't eliminate the cop shop because that's where you heard about the call. People are calling in and they were talking about, oh, another family and oh, the you know the one scene at someone's house where the the cops yeah. thrown up because it was so gory and violent and children and they didn't have to show all that but they did need the exposition otherwise it's like well who cares if Krampus is just you know yeah hanging out at the old Santa Land <laughs> that scene cracked me up too because you got Richard Mall and he's sort of the beat down cop and the younger one is throwing up at first. But I love the moment where the guy's like, I can't write this report. And <laughs> Officer Green thinks he's he's just like, doesn't have the stomach for it. And then he realizes, no, it's because he threw up on his notepad. On his notepad. Just hands him another <laughs> he one. Just grabs, he just grabs his notepad, throws it at him, and keeps talking to the, the park ranger. That <laughs> that made me laugh. And there again, that's that's the kind of thing that I think if you don't have – if you don't have an actor like a Richard Mall who can deliver that so well, that scene doesn't work. But you you get Richard Mall for a day, and he's perfect for it. It's just his delivery. Oh man, he throws it at him. He just keeps walking, and 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 that's where again Barry let Boswick. Let the cleverness, yes, of that one liner. Yep. Yeah, let that moment just play. That's where getting getting Barry Bostwick to be your Santa Claus, I think, helps to make this more memorable because he's just. He's just a goofball. And Santa is <laughs> such a silly, silly character in this, and it's great. Uh when when um, they uh when they attack when Krampus wakes back up, when Santa and Krampus both wake up. After we've had our little montage of them, I love that where they've got a passed out Krampus tied to a chair, and so they decide to decorate him with holiday stuff and take selfies. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Th and that was such a like that type of streamer believable, yeah. like Although, you know, I'm like wanting to scream at them too. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you're so stupid. Please, what? <laughs> but it was funny as hell. <laughs> it really was. Like... It really was. And it fit for them perfectly. But then when Krampus gets up and she punches him um, and then kicks him in the junk, <laughs> and you see Santa doubled over and he's like, I think I peed myself. That mm -hmm. made me laugh. That was a. <laughs> brilliant like that moment just cracked me up it was so good oh. um, so coming up soon uh locally uh, by the way uh in a, a town like 15 minutes down the road from me in this teeny tiny town 
in North Carolina, for some reason, Barry Bostwick is going to be at a theater special showing of Rocky Horror. Nice. And you can buy, like, it's one of those Eventbrite, you know, you buy a ticket and go see him and buy pay a ridiculous amount of money. Well, not ridiculous, but, you know, Barry Bostwick signature ridiculous. Uh, get Meet him and sign something. And I'm thinking, I want to have a print made of the Sleigh Bells poster and go to this and get him to sign it. That'd be good. I would. Like, everybody's going to bring some kind of Rocky Horror swag, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but how many people are going to bring Sleigh Bells? Like, that's a good one. I like that. Unless and he looks at me and goes, oh, <laughs> I didn't do that movie. Oh, my God. Don't show that to anybody. Now, I will say, so we're going to spoil the movie a little bit, but that's what we do on this show. Um, the twist at the end that Cherry, who we saw at the beginning of the movie um, in the bar, which that scene was was pretty funny in a lot of ways, where they walk in and you got the guy sort of, he's wearing the Santa coat drunk at one end of the bar. And because the girls come in and they're all like, Merry Christmas, because it's Christmas Eve, right? And the guy at the, the end of the bar is like, F Christmas. And so does Cherry behind the bar. And it's like, oh, okay, these are just people that don't like. She even has tattooed on her knuckles. <laughs> and then she shows up at the end, and she apparently is the one that let Krampus out. Like, that's, that's where I'm like, I wanted more because it was she just showed up and said she was behind the whole thing. But how? What did she do? Like, we don't know. She just unthawed Krampus, I guess. Like, got, she finally had had enough. How long had she been doing this? That's the only thing. That was where I was like, did I miss a scene? Or or was the, did was they just the cut crazy it? ex. But yeah, she she's mentioned the, briefly once early on. But, like, because there was something about Mrs. Claus. One of the girls asked about Mrs. Claus. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly how he replied. But it wasn't enough to figure out that it was Cherry being referred to. No. I think that was supposed to be a reveal. And yeah, there were, like, was there some cut scenes where there was a little more exposition or, you know, whatever. Surprise! We're yeah. going to end it now with some crazy crap because it's <laughs> that kind of movie. <laughs> that was very much like a, well, we're at the hour and ten minute mark of our runtime, so let's just end the movie. Um, which is fine. Again, like... End of the day, I don't really care that much. It was just, <laughs> that's where I wanted some more, because she was pretty much there just to laugh maniacally, um, which she did really well. That was a good, evil laugh. She had a very good, evil laugh. It um, was. She, she, she had a whole Disney villain <laughs> demeanor going on there and... Like rubbing up on Krampus and <laughs> yeah, showing up in the in her biker leathers with the red corset, mm -hmm. rubbing up on Krampus uh, was uh, well, that was a visual. We'll put it that way. It's not one that I'll soon forget, <laughs> whether I want to or not. Um, <clears throat> one time you'll walk into a bar and you'll see almost that. I know it's happened to me. Uh, yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> But it's just, it, it's a silly movie, but I, I have fun with it. And I do enjoy these kinds of movies when they're done well like this. Or or at least enjoyably like this. Um, I don't think all of them work. There's a, was it, la I think it was Last Christmas on Gore, the horror movie podcast that I do. We watched the Krampus movie from 2017. Oh, and I keep meaning to get to that one. And it's okay, but it felt like it needed to be... It's PG-13, and they wanted sort of a, a more kind of wide audience uh, thing. But it felt like it either needed to go campier, or it needed to go uh, R. And it sort of rode the mm. fence on it a little bit. Like, And it's, it's from the director of Trick or Treat, uh, the anthology... Um, with uh, Sam, the little the little pumpkin head kid. Mm -hmm. So, like, I know that the director is capable of doing a good horror movie, but it almost felt like he, he like he wasn't allowed to go full on horror movie or didn't want to, but didn't quite. It's like a, I don't know. It's they it's weird. Take themselves too seriously, kind of, and yet don't at the same time. Like it didn't quite. It it, it it's very similar to Gremlins in that way, except Gremlins it worked, um, for me a lot better than Krampus did, but I still like that those kinds of movies exist. Um, 
I think that's a better version of, of some of them. There's a lot that are low budget that show that low budget and they rank low. Uh, this actually surprisingly, I was surprised it's only like a 4.2 on IMDb for sleigh bells. And that was lower I think than a I lot of people thought. tuned in and didn't get it, you know? Um, and I, I don't think I'm that surprised, especially being my second watch. Cause I, we had decided to do this and then I was watching it a second time. I'm like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> You might really not like you might really hate this because it is it really does walk that line that not everyone who even likes bad movies is going to go be laughing and think it's okay. There's people have a taste that's what's forgivable and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but having the Barry Boswick, Richard Mole, like those nice little and, and the Easter eggs um, that, you know, even I'm catching definitely makes some things a little more forgivable. <laughs> I can forgive a lot more in this than I can in some other movies because it just feels like they had, this feels like they had an idea of what they wanted to do. And then they just sort of had to cut some things out for time. Um, and so that's where it gets a little muddled. Like, but they, they knew they were going enough tongue in cheek without it being, full-on wink at the camera, hey, hey, we're being clever and funny. Like, there's a line on that that you can do for me. And while sometimes that fourth-wall-breaking stuff can work in a movie like a Daredevil where that character, or not Daredevil, uh, Deadpool, um, Mm -hmm. where you know that character's going to do that, there are times where a movie can become too self-aware, and I feel like something like, uh, like a Sharknado, for instance, where what they want to make is a horrendously over the top B movie that they go, they, they, it's almost like trying too hard to do that. This movie is trying to do that. They're trying to make a B movie and they know that, but there's something about the way they're doing it. That to me is more forgivable for some of the things that are silly. Like they have the let's huddle up and come up with our plan scene intercut with like them getting their weapons ready and it's like they're 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 the dumbest looking weapons you've ever seen but i don't care because it's like there's a there's a silly earnestness to what they're doing that I can yeah get they've got the on purpose tropism um they didn't go ahead and break fourth wall except they had the the device of being able to use something that was filmed for their channel mm-hmm. to kind of throw that in without wrecking you know the, their bizarre momentum and yeah it just seemed like they were having a really good time regardless. They knew what they wanted to do. I mean, I agree. And I'm really glad you you enjoyed watching it. And I hope other people do too. <laughs> I did. And and if you go into it realizing what it is, and it's it's going to be silly. But I think also the chemistry of uh, Alexi, Dahlia, Sadie make it. Because if those three don't feel as though they actually get along and are friends, which is interesting because if – like if I want to put on my straight up storytelling kind of uh, pedantic hat, like Alexi starts off as the, I don't know if I really want to go, but then she's all about it. Mm-hmm. But you kind of realize, no, these are good friends. Like she might not watch their videos, but she's friends enough with them to just hang out and, and go along. So I sort well, of, I could forgive that too. Like with the, the three of them, because they had Lexi was kind of the, she's that responsible one. She's mm-hmm. going to college. She's, you know, she's not, she doesn't have time to be watching your show. And then you've got the middle one who's the like, go, go adventure danger. I don't care. And then you've got the, the young one who's just like super cute and all thinking about her boyfriend all the time. Yeah. And it, it, but it's a chemistry that just balances out. And these are groups of friends that you all know. Yes. Yep. Exactly that. And they, they work together because this movie does also do like the tropey thing of the boyfriend who shows up and then dies right away. Which yeah <laughs> was was great because like how did he even know where to go? Because all she we had seen her sneak off and send him a text message. She kept losing and signal. And she then, called him, yeah. but that was it. And then he just like showed up, uh, which made me laugh because when he starts yelling Sadie and she's like who who is that? And then it's it's Brian and I'm like really the boyfriend? Well okay so he it's dies. the red shirt yeah. But they do that and they do it in a way that it. Nothing in this movie made me angry. Like sometimes I'll watch a bad movie and something will happen and it completely takes me out of it. And I never 
this movie never got to that point. It never quite crossed that line. It got toes up to it. It got close in some yeah. parts. <laughs> like it wanted to. It 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 teased me that it was going to cross the line, but it never quite got there. Where I'm just like, all right, we're done. I'm I, I can't stand this anymore. Uh, it was it was mwah. fun. Like that's that's the line. That's the line you're drawing with these kind of movies, and that's why it was good. It was only the length it was too, because you could only toe up to that line so many times before you just kind of go. Oh, I'm out. I can't anymore. I gotta go. Yeah. Like the new uh, the new uh, monsters. Mm -hmm. Rob Zombie's monsters. I noped out. I actually couldn't even finish it. Oh wow. Like, oh so bad, so bad, and I was so. <sighs> Excited, looking forward to it. Like, even if it's bad on purpose, I was like, oh, people are just mad because they don't remember how bad and campy the TV show was, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're misremembering or they have this nostalgia. And then I, no. <laughs> That's that. Remaking something that started off campy is always tough, too. Like, you can make something campy and it can work. Sleigh Bells or Batman 66 or The Munsters. Um, those kinds of things can work. But trying to capture that again is where it gets difficult. Like John Waters, for instance, can do John Waters films. But if somebody tries to make a film like a John Waters movie, it just doesn't it doesn't land right. There's something not quite there about it. It's sort of like doing um, Mel Brooks style satire where not everybody can do that and do it well. Mel Brooks is good at it. Um, the Zucker brothers were good at it back with like Airplane and and whatnot, or Top Secret uh, was another one that, that got that right. But then you can also, like the first scary movie did it fairly well, but then all of a sudden you're getting disaster movie and epic movie and some of these where they're just going after the low-hanging fruit and the simple easy joke, and it doesn't work. And camp can be the same thing. Like, I don't want to see a remake of Batman, uh, the 60s Batman series. I don't want that because Ooh, no. there's there's a charm to that that you just can't recapture. There was an animated series of Batman that went in that same direction, and it was um, Batman the Brave and the Bold. And instead of trying to be another, yet another kind of dark and brooding uh, Batman a la Batman the Animated Series, they went in a campier route, and it worked, but they weren't trying to remake that style of Batman. They were just going to be more fun and tongue-in-cheek with it. Um, but when you try to do that, you end up with George Clooney as Batman and Batman and Robin. It doesn't work. It just you just You just can't do that. So it's like, it's so hard to do, and it's so hard to do Batman well. Batman was a different it was a very, it was very bad. Very I've got bad. my own opinions about Batman and Robin because I, I feel like it stepped into a different space and people weren't able to separate it and appreciate it for what it was because it had that interesting cinematography where it was like comic book panel frames. And I really got caught up in that and finally introducing like Hacker Robin. Like being a, a, a bit of a comic side nerd, mm -hmm. there were things in that movie that none of the other ones bothered with. So I, I kind of have it in its own little space. Like it's <laughs> my problem with that is Batman eighty nine and Batman Returns were very Tim Burton, and he set up a style and he set up a look. Yeah. And after Batman Returns, Warner Brothers kind of got cold feet in continuing with that type of thing because merchandising was harder with it. And so when mm -hmm. Schumacher came in and they did Batman Forever, they went a little bit more in the campy direction. And they started to kind of embrace that. And Batman and Robin, there's... Joel Schumacher's not a bad filmmaker. And I just think that if if that, that movie existed in a vacuum, I think I could appreciate it more. But because it's still part of the progression of those movies, they're they're all connected. Mm. Because yeah, you've but got, that's something I tend to do. I, I can put it in a vacuum. <laughs> well, I can too, except that you have Pat Hingle as uh, your Commissioner Gordon and Michael Goff is still there as Alfred. They are the same character that they were with the Joker a few years earlier. It's a multiverse, man. <laughs> it, except that it's the same universe. That's the that's my no. problem with it. Is they, they wanted you to think that it's the same Not universe. in my world, it's not. 
but I think there's room for a campy Batman. I don't think the '90s were when we wanted that, and that's the pro- That's another problem was the audience wasn't wasn't looking for that at the time. Oh yeah, no. Um, you know, it just it is what it is. Uh, but like that, that's the sort of thing where it can work when it's Batman '66. Because uh, you go back and watch those; those are phenomenal. That's some of my favorite Batman stuff. Um, but trying to recreate that is is where it gets tricky, and that's Super where hard. some of these Christmas movies, these Christmas horror movies, don't always work because they're trying too much to be uh, the the just like violent, bloody Christmas movie instead of being mm-hmm. lighthearted, and they miss the. They missed the boat. This movie had like a good balance of the two, and that's... I, I I definitely enjoyed it. It's 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 on my list. I'm not. This isn't the last time I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not the last time I'm going to watch it. If I'm honest, like I'll watch this again. It's a short watch, and it can be a lot of fun because it does that balance well of sort of being a horror movie and being a Christmas movie, and kind of getting both of those things, you know, in a B movie style. So, yeah, I mean, I've got to be up late wrapping presents, having some beers or some eggnog and I could totally throw this on as one of my every year this is what I do this to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would put this on it's not on the level or it's, I can't even say it's on the saying it's not on the level isn't is disingenuous. It's not the same type of movies like Black Christmas. But Black Christmas was one that I just saw recently for the first time and was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed that movie as a as a movie and what they were going for in it. It's also, that's very much a product of its time. It's a 70s movie and it feels like a 70s movie. Um, but this was, it, this definitely feels like that kind of mid-2010s to 20, you know, late teens type of movie. And it works. And it is it's it is that kind of thing that you know I'd throw that on and watch it with some friends and just sit back and you know because you, you can you can poke fun you can have fun with it without it being uh, too much and I think also because this movie is not mean spirited I think makes a huge right. difference for me personally and I know that's a personal yeah it still of mine. has that little gem right mm-hmm. of of Christmas in there of. Santa was upset and sad and wanted to do the right thing for children, and that gets redeemed this it through one little you know character and yeah and and I think that's a thing for me like I want some I want some reasoning behind what's going on in the movie, not just don't just give me a movie that is uh violent and bloody for the sake of being violent and bloody that's Christmas bloody Christmas, and that to me is boring because I'm not getting anything out of that. Even if it's going to be a downer of a movie, um, I mean, one of one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen is Zodiac. And Zodiac doesn't have a happy ending. Zodiac is not an uplifting movie, but there's a reasoning behind everything that goes on in it. And so you can do that. You can have a downer movie or or, or a movie that's not happy, but it still be really good because there's purpose and motivation behind what's going on and I think there's purpose in this movie to just kind of have like well what if Santa sort of retired because no one cared about Santa Claus anymore but he still exists he's still got his magic and he's got to keep Krampus at bay because Krampus is Krampus is just like I know I gotta have kids also what were the little uh fur balls with teeth what were those supposed to be oh my goodness (laughs) do we have any idea no because they were just sort of I know it was it was the way they were going to basically kill all the children is to put those in the stockings. Okay. When they delivered presents, that was the that was the thing they were going mm. to deliver was tiny little I don't know, critters. Krampus they were parasites to just kill everyone. They were like if the kill critters, all the children, the critters and the langoliers had babies. They would be those little <laughs> furry things because they they were like the critters, but they had no eyes. It was very confusing, but at the same time, that scene was kind of silly and fun. So yeah, that was a very gremlin-y, like just <laughs> it kind of was random horror furry stuff <laughs> going crazy that had to happen at some point. Like 
to explain how I they think... were going to like use one night of delivering presents to just after stealing the sleigh just kill all the children. I do I do like that at the beginning of that scene they go into that building and then Krampus runs up and locks the door on them from the outside and then just leaves. Like <laughs> like he knows what's in there and so he's like, "All right, we'll just let the we'll let the critters take care of them." Yeah. <laughs> I also very much liked Sadie sitting on Santa's lap asking him all the questions about how he comes down the chimneys and all that and his answer is just like magic. And then the second question he's like, "No, it's it's still magic." Magic. Yeah. <laughs> By the fourth question, he's like, look, it's magic, okay? Can we just move on? How do you walk in those shoes? <laughs> magic? Exactly. So let's not think. And basically, it's it's telling the audience, just don't think about it too much. Santa's magic, and that's all you need to know. So it was fun. Mm-hmm. I, this, this is, uh, as long as you like and you can stand kind of cheesy B-movies, because I, I do agree with you there. you got to be that mindset. I know people that just wouldn't be able to wrap their head around this and wouldn't be able to enjoy it. That's fine. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But if for you can, everyone. Yeah. If, if you like those kind of movies, if you like some camp, um, check this movie out because it's, stre- it's streaming free everywhere and it's an hour and 15 minutes. You're not going to take a whole... You, there are episodes of Stranger Things longer than this movie, okay? So... <laughs> You know, I, I think it's fun. September, I, this was cool that you brought this to me because this isn't the type of movie. I wouldn't have sought this movie out myself. This isn't one that I would have gone out. Even if I had heard of it before, it's not one that I'm going to be like, you know, I should sit down and watch Sleigh Bells. That'd be fun. Like, there are a, a million other movies I would have chosen before this, but I'm glad I saw this. So, well, and, good. Uh, that, I, that's excellent. Uh, it couldn't be a better result. Cause you were like, wow, you got to come on the show again soon. And it's like... Okay, does it just have to be something? I bet you haven't seen this. And it was so close to Christmas, and I was already planning to go see Violent Night, so it was, like, popped into my head. Like, ooh, 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 okay. I'm going to make him watch this. And then I was rewatching. and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> hope he doesn't hate, hate it too much. But at least there's cool guest stars and, and uh, Easter eggs. So I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I will say this. Every time I'm talking to potential guests or returning guests, and they always ask me, you know, well, what what should we talk about? My one rule for this show is always, doesn't matter as long as one person has never seen the movie before. Because what's going to happen is the conversation is going to grow out of that. And, And I am of the mind that even if I didn't like the movie, there's still a conversation we can have about it. And there's still things that we can talk about because... Nine times out of ten, I'm going to find something redeemable in a movie that I can talk about. But also, maybe I just don't like anything at all or you don't like anything at all. Tank Girl is the one I always go back to because it was the movie I had three guests on who had never seen the movie before, and all three of them hated it. And I enjoy Tank Girl because of what I it is. I love Tank, Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah, like Tank Girl is is just this this ball of directionless energy and... And it's great fun for that. And Lori Petty is just having a blast playing Tank Girl. Um, but none of my guests <laughs> liked it. And but it still made for a good conversation because I could I could talk to them about well what did you like what didn't you like and I'm not going to sit there I'm never going to try and necessarily change someone's mind. I just want them to think about some other aspects of it. Um, and same thing with me. If I don't like something, I want to, but I still want to have the conversation with somebody who does like what they're, what's going on. So it's it's super fun. Oh, yeah. And, I just tend to always think of, I think of your show as watching, it's usually big blockbusters, right? Like you were just talking about Gremlins recently, mm-hmm. or Wait You Haven't Seen being something like, you know, The Godfather or something that like everyone has seen or everyone assumes everyone has seen. Right. And... Um, picking a little, I appreciate the opportunity to pick something little and off the beaten path for this. Sometimes it's the most fun. Like I, I, because it is, it's very much, whoa, you haven't seen Die Hard? Wait, we got to fix that. Or, you know, somebody who hasn't seen the princess bride, like I thought the princess bride just got delivered in the mail with boxes of Tide, you know? Um, (laughs) but, but then it is fun to go after these little things the sleigh bells or some of the lesser known Nick Cage movies that I've seen, like pay the ghost or um, pig was another one that is lesser known. Uh, 
that one got a little more notoriety, but like some of these weird off the beaten path movies are fun. You can have a lot of fun with them. So this was a great suggestion, and I thank you for that. Plus, just having you on is is always fun. And it had been it had been almost two years. No, it was like last August. Well, it was a year ago this past August. Right. So it had been okay. So, so not yeah, quite a year and a half. almost a year and a half, which yeah. is which is a long time. I've done it like is. seventy episodes since then. It's crazy. <laughs> which I'm coming up on two hundred episodes. And Ooh. I can't believe that. Um, it'll be in just a couple of weeks, actually. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen for episode 200. Maybe I'll finally watch The Godfather. Who knows? Yeah, yes, I haven't seen I'm, it either. Ever. I am one of those. It, I'm finding there's a, a large number of people that I know that haven't seen The Godfather. So, It's like the other half of the world is just insanely crazy and watched it <laughs> yeah, a million times. Pretty much. And then there's the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but now you have uh, a show that you do b- roughly every week, right? You guys do that weekly. I have a couple of shows I do every week. Well, tell people Almost about every it. week. Okay. Well, uh, Geek Grills is my longest continuously running show. And you can find that on Twitch at Geek Grills. Also, I'm doing the Part-Time Gamers. That's right. With, yeah, with Cyrenex and Mr. Bingo. And we stream that live and record it, but you can find it. You know what? Go to 9of12.com, N-I-N-E-O-F-1-2.com, and it'll link you to Heresy and Hearsay, Part-Time Gamers, and Geek Grills, and all of our associated channels. Perfect. 9of12.com. Spell out the word 9, and then the numbers for 12. Yeah. N-I-N-E-O-F-1-2.com. 9of12.com. That's awesome. That's a perfect way to do it. And, and I also have a little mnemonic in there. Like, if you can't remember which numbers and letters, it's alpha, then numeric. There you go. See? Perfect. Um, and I have been on Part-Time Gamers. That's a fun show. Um, I don't think I've... I haven't been on Geek Grills yet, but that's a great show. Um, I thought you had. Okay. It's possible. I don't remember. I, I do, I do too ago. many That show's things. been around, like, for six years. So Could be. Um, so yeah, this show is normally recorded Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. This past Sunday was Christmas day, so we weren't doing that. Um, but it does come out as a podcast on Wednesdays. You can also catch the video on demand on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. You can catch those videos on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at TV's Travis as well. Um, the show has a Patreon. So if you want to, uh, help the show out financially, you can do that for as little as a dollar an episode. Uh, you can also go to Kofi, ko-fi.com slash TVstravis. Basically, TVstravis on any platform, social media or otherwise, is probably me. Uh, I, I make it a, a point to get all of those. And uh, there is a rework of TVstravis.com happening soon. Uh, I've got some, uh, still some work to do on that, but uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I have uh, episode 199 is next uh, this coming Sunday, uh, Tyler Cardwell is going to be back. Uh, we haven't decided what we're going to watch yet, but we're going to decide here in the next day or so. So I'll be putting that on Twitter, Mastodon, and, and other places. Um, you can find me as TV's Travis on all of those. Uh, so September, thanks so much for being on. This was great fun. We we can't thanks. go another year and a half, though. we got to have you back before that. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Excellent, excellent. And, uh, yeah, this, will be, uh, this show will be out... Uh, tomorrow actually is Wednesday, is it not? Yes, it is. Oh boy, the days are the days are getting away from me. <laughs> it's oh, already. I know. We're we're already. My husband took this whole week off, and <laughs> it's going too quick already. It really is. Um, but yeah, and then of course, big episode number two hundred coming up in a couple of weeks. So stick around for that. If if you are a, a listener of this show and you have any sort of memories or anything that you've really enjoyed in the in the show over the first couple of hundred episodes drop me a line either tvstravis at gmail.com or on twitter at tvstravis of what kind of your favorite moment has been maybe uh was there a particular movie that maybe you hadn't seen before and the show got you to watch it and you really enjoyed it or you hated um has there been a guest that you've really liked having on or or anything like that uh let me know i'd love to hear from from you as well so uh definitely do that but um 
that has been the show for this week. So September, once again, thank you so much uh, for being here. And uh, 9of12.com to find all the shows that you are a part of. So uh, until next week and whatever movie Tyler and I are going to watch, just remember to enjoy your movies and to be excellent to each other. is coming to town. Bitches. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>